ever had something happen to you that was sort of so nice it was weird? You know, often we think of weird as a negative things, but sometimes something can be so good or so nice that it was weird. Uh, a few months ago, a friend and I went down to Glenelg to play pool one night. So after dinner, uh, we go down there, uh, we, we played pool, we went in, we played pool, we came back, and it was kind of late, and uh, I just uh, opened the back door of the car, I threw my jacket, my wallet, and whatever, just chucked them on the back seat of the car, we got in the car, came home, it was late, uh, I just kind of uh, came inside, went straight to bed. About one o'clock in the morning, there's this banging on my front door. Banging, banging. The doorbell's going bang, 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 ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, bang, bang, bang. Roz is kind of nudging me going, there's someone at the front door. There's someone at the front door. And I kind of, as you do, I kind of groggy. You turn on the light. I get up. I walk out in the hallway. All three of my children are already down the other end of the hallway out of their beds going like, Dad, Dad, there's someone at the front door. What are you going to do? And I'm like... <coughs> so I'm like half asleep. You don't really think like, well, so I just open the front door, right? <coughs> And there's this 20-something guy in a hoodie standing at my front door at one o'clock in the morning and he just looks at me and he goes, are you Matthew Sarr? <laughs> and I just go, uh, yeah, because like what else do you say to some, I do not know this guy, whatever. And he says, uh, here's your wallet. He said, I found it on the main street of Glenelg tonight. You can check, it's got your, you can check the, all your cards and all your cash is all still there. I'm just returning your wallet, one o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know I'd lost my wallet because I, I, I just kind of chucked everything in the back seat. And when I'd got home, I just kind of scooped up my jacket and a couple of other drink bottles and a couple of things I'd had, just brought them all inside. I didn't even realise that in the stuff that I'd, scooped, that I'd scooped up that my wallet wasn't there. I, I gather it must have sort of when I chucked stuff on the back seat, it must have kind of somehow bounced out. I don't know. I didn't even know I'd lost it. And here's this guy at one of... Now, it's weird because, like, why couldn't he have waited to the morning? Uh, <clears throat> why couldn't he have just taken it to the police station? Uh, like, you know, there's a whole bunch of... kind of, But it was just... And, and I didn't even... I just kind of went, oh, thanks. And he just walked off. I closed the door and everyone went back to bed. It was just... It was, it was such a nice thing for this guy to do. And he'd... Like, we live, you know, it's half-hour drive from, uh, from where we were to our house and, and he'd, you know, he'd found my address and a driver's licence or something and one in the morning had driven all the way up there. You're missing the key of the story. What was the key to the story? My card's gone. My card's gone. <coughs> right, yeah, I thought my... I was there. I thought he'd stolen my credit card because he'd taken out all of my cards to find one with my address and put them back in in a different order and anyway, it's... <laughs> Not really relevant to the story, but thank you for that. <coughs> anyway, the point was, it was really nice, but it, like, it was so nice that it was weird, right? It was like that doesn't happen. It was a weird thing. We're in the final week of this uh, series we've been calling Weird Things Christians Do, and we acknowledge that there's always weird stuff that happens. All of us have weird things, things that we do that make perfect sense to us because we do them, but when someone else walks in and sees what we do, they're like, well, that's a little bit weird and there are weird things that happen in our families and at, and at work and in our you know, sports clubs and wherever we go. And there are weird things that happen at church. There are things that if you've been around a church for a while, we said this every week, if you've been around for church a while, there are things that you do or that you know happen in church that you go, yeah, that's what you just do in church. But for someone who comes into church for the first time or someone who's not used to hanging around uh, a place like this. They kind of sit there and they're like, what are you doing? That's weird. 
But more than that, the reality is that for some of us, even some of us who've been in church for a long while, there's stuff that you do in church that you know you do in church because that's what you do in church. But if someone said to you, why do you do that? You would say, oh, I don't know. That's kind of just what we do in church. So in this series, we're trying to dig deeper into some of those things and ask the questions that lots of people don't ask. Why do you do that weird thing you do? Why is it important? And where does it come from? And today we're going to talk about the weird thing that is love one another. Now you might say, how does love one another make a list of weird things? It makes a list of weird things because it's weird, right? You love people who love you. You love people who are lovable. You love people who you like. You love your friends and your family. Only Christians run around saying you should love everyone. That's weird. I mean, that's weird because, well, if you love all these people, you know, that's going to cost you. You're going to take your time and your energy and your money to love other people. And what if they don't love you back? You've just wasted all that. What if people take advantage of you? And let's be honest, some people just aren't that lovable, are they? And honest, you know, you meet some people and you just go, I just don't want to love that person. They just don't look very lovable. Why do Christians keep talking about love one another? And the short answer is that Jesus told us to. John remembers Jesus saying it this way, uh, John 13, 34, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Matthew remembers Jesus teaching it to a guy this way. An expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets which is Bible talk for everything in the Bible, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And we've said before that when Jesus says the first and the second, he doesn't mean first and second is like first importance and second importance. It'd be more like us saying the first part and the second part. John remembers Jesus unpacking it a little bit more this way. Uh, John 15, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And these weren't just interesting ideas to the first disciples, to the people that that first heard this. They really got around this idea. In fact, they they got around this idea big time. This idea became really central to to the first church that they started. This became sort of the core to the way that they lived, the core that the way that this first church interacted with and connected with one another. 15 to 20 years after the resurrection... Paul, who's a leader in this first church, he writes uh, a a letter 
to the church in Galatia. We've got a copy of the letter. It's in your Bibles. It's called Galatians in your Bibles. And Paul writes this to them. He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, if you were a Jew in the first century, circumcision was like the sign that you were God's people. Right? It was like your distinguishing mark. It was like, it was like, your, uh, um, it was like, like, like a membership card. Right? It said, I'm one of God's people. That's what circumcision was. And so what, what Paul's saying is, you know, that doesn't even count anymore. Whether you're circumcised or whether you're un- uncircumcised, that, that doesn't, that's not what marks you as one of God's people. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Paul goes on to say in verse 13 of Galatians 5, Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, if you if you love your neighbor, if you love one another, it's like you tick all the boxes, all the rules, all the good things that you ought to do. You tick them all if you love one another. Seven or eight years after Paul wrote that letter, he writes a letter to the church in Rome. And he says uh, in verse 8, Romans 13, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Same idea. Whoever loves others, uh, you kind of get all the rest of the rules are marked as correct. It's all fulfilled, all okay if you love others. Verse 9, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover. And whatever other commands there are, whatever other rules you can make up, they're all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. This love one another idea was absolutely central to the way the first church understand it understood what God wanted them to do, how he wanted them to live. But we don't love one another just because Jesus said so, just because the early church said it was a good idea. Jesus did a lot more than just talk about love one another. He lived it out. He backed it up with his actions. John tells us that Jesus uh, said to him and to the other disciples, John 15, 12, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus says, I'm going to be your example. I'm going to show you what it looks like to love one another. Right? I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to show you what it looks like. And then you can just copy me. You can follow my example. Years later, Paul would explain it to the church in Philippi, another of the letters that he wrote to another church. He'd explain it like this, Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Paul says that we should, we should value others above ourselves. Verse 3, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. And then verse 5, he says that we should have the same attitude, the same mindset as Christ. Because he said Christ was God in heaven, right on a throne, kind of doing what God does in heaven. And he stepped out of heaven and came to earth. Like, is there a bigger step down than that? Not only did he come to, he came to earth as like a poor guy, didn't come to earth as a king with all the gold and the jewellery and the big palace, uh, came to earth as a poor guy. And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, not only was he prepared to take that step down, he took another step down and was willing to be executed, was willing to be beaten and tortured and executed for you. He says, that's the example of what it looks like to love one another. That's Jesus saying, I'm going to demonstrate how much I love you. I'm going to demonstrate what it looks like to love others. I stepped out of heaven onto earth and from earth onto a cross. Nothing for my benefit, only because I loved others. And Paul says, you, you, you can't love someone more than to give up your life for them, right? We would say the same thing today. It's, it's, the, it's the ultimate example of love, isn't it? It's the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate demonstration of love. Jesus dies on a cross and he says, here's my example. And Jesus and Paul and John and all the writers, they'll all say the same thing, that that is the standard or the example. That's the, the kind of the benchmark for how followers of Jesus should love one another. Paul explains it to the Ephesian church, another of the letters that he wrote, the Ephesian church like this, Ephesians 4.31. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get, get rid of all that stuff. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. There it is again. This is what Jesus did. Now we're going to follow. <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved, up, loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Oh, it's a lot of Bible, right? We're going through a lot of Bible. But, but I want you to see, there's so much Bible because I want you to see how central this is to all of the New Testament. To everyone that wrote, this isn't just one guy's perspective. Everyone who wrote in the New Testament, all of the leaders in the New Testament, all of the churches in the New Testament centered themselves around this idea. Loving one another, it wasn't just one thing in a long list of things you do. It wasn't just something to do for some people sometime. It wasn't just something you did with a certain group of people. It wasn't something to do with your friends or it wasn't something to do on you know, a particular season of the year. The command to love others was the command for the early church. It was the one thing that they committed themselves to live by. And that's weird. Loving people who love you, that's okay, isn't it? That's a good thing to do. 
I mean, you can be nice to all people. You can be polite to all people. We like to use the word today in our society, we want to tolerate all people. You know, we want to be tolerant. (coughs) Doing that for all people, that's a good thing. But loving all people, loving others, putting the interests of others before your own interest, putting the interests of others, even people who aren't like you, even people who don't like you before your own interests, that is weird. No one lives like that. Now, I know everyone's really excited because uh, the Matildas won a quarterfinal. Um, in the, uh, the soccer last night, but you may have missed in all the story about the soccer <laughs> that our national netball team, the Diamonds, uh, won the World Cup. Uh, that's them. Uh, they won the World... Did you all know that? Yep. We, we won the World Netball Cup this week. <coughs> last week, whenever, sometime recently. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> it's okay. <coughs> now, if you, go and, if you go and join a soccer club or if you go and join a netball club, right... You might meet some friends there. You might meet some people there that you want to love. You might meet some people there who are just like you. You get them, they get you, they become friends, and you want to love those people. There's probably other people that you'll meet in the netball club that they're not going to be that kind of friend to you, but they're okay people. You know, and you can be around them, and you can play on the same team as them, and, you know, they can be mates, and maybe you connect on social media, and and you, you you wouldn't love them, but you can be nice to them. But there's also going to be some people in that netball club or that soccer club that you just don't want to be around, aren't there? There's going to be that person on your team or on another team or one of the coaches that you just don't gel with. You just don't really like them and they don't really like you. You don't have to love those people, do you? You can go to the supermarket and in the supermarket you meet all kinds of people, don't you? (laughs) All kinds of people. You meet some nice people in the supermarket. You know, sometimes you meet someone in the supermarket, they let you in the line, you let them in the line, they're friendly, you have a chat, they're a nice person. You're not going to be friends with those people, but they're a really nice person. You can love a person like that, right? But then you meet other people in the supermarket, don't you? Maybe someone who doesn't let you in. Maybe those people who push in the line in front of you. You know those people, they, they just pretend they're looking at something on the aisle and then, you know, they just all of a sudden they're in the line in front of you. Sometimes you meet people in the supermarket and they just seem a bit mean and a bit nasty. Maybe they look at you the wrong way. Maybe they look at your shoes the wrong way. You don't have to love people like that, do you? Or you come to church and you might meet some really cool people at church. <laughs> right? <clears throat> you meet some people who are like you at church. You know, you meet some people who you like, they like you, and you, you know what? I could really be friends with this person. I could hang out with this person. But then you meet some other people at church, don't you? You meet other people and you're like, not really like me, you know, but they're okay. I can, I can, you know, maybe friend them on social media, but we're not going to hang out or whatever. They're okay. I can be nice enough to them. But, you know, if you hang around church for a while, you'll meet other people too, won't you? People who aren't like you. Maybe they seem to complain too much. Maybe they talk about themselves too much. Maybe they're a port supporter. Like, you just, you know, they're... <coughs> 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 
But you know what I'm saying? There's just people who they're just not like you. You go, we're in the same building together, we're doing the same thing together, but there's, there's just no connection for me and a person like this. Do I have to love someone like that? I mean, I'm prepared to be nice to them, I'm prepared to say g'day to them if I see them. But do I really have to love a person like that? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how people will know that you follow me, that you follow Jesus, if you love one another. Love one another is weird. It's supposed to be weird. It's not the way that the rest of our world works. Most people don't live this way, but, but Christians are called not to live like most people. Christians are called to live different. Christians are called, when it comes to love one another, Christians are called to be weird. We love others. We don't love others because we're good people. Let's just be clear about this. We don't love others because we're better than anyone else. We love others because Jesus first loved us. And he didn't love us because we were any good. He loved us because that's the way he is. That he loves all people. Doesn't matter how young they are, how old they are, doesn't matter if they go to church or don't go to church, it doesn't matter what kind of things they've done in their life, what kind of religion or ideas they've got in their heads. Jesus loved everyone and Jesus stepped out of heaven and onto earth and from earth onto a cross because he loved everyone. And he says, this is my example. And if you want to follow me, this is the example for you to follow. That's why we do this weird thing we call love one another. And that's why at this church at Tide, that's why we prioritise relationships. That's why we make space for people to connect with one another. You can, go to, you can go to lots of churches where you come along, you sit down, you get entertained, you say good day to your friends and you go home. We don't want to be that kind of church. That's why we, we, we make space, we deliberately leave space at the beginning of our gathering, for, not with anything organised to happen, just to allow people to say good day and to connect, to meet new people and to talk a bit. It's why we do, we have these sort of small group, these discussion, discussion gatherings right in church. Because we know that learning and growing together isn't just about sitting here in rows and listening to me. It's about sitting in circles and listening to one another and learning from one another and loving on one another. It's why we encourage you in those groups, don't just get together with your friends. Don't, you know, stay with the people that you came with. Husbands and wives, you know, don't kind of stay with one another, but, but split up and meet new people and get new perspectives. Young people and old people, old people and young people, married people and single people, single people and divorced people. We want to encourage you to love one another. It's why this afternoon uh, a bunch of us are going to go to the park uh, in maybe it's raining, maybe it's not, um, but just to be together, we're, there's nothing kind of organised. It just, you know, we're just going to be together because that's the kind of church that we want to be. I have this dream, right? And I'm going to be honest here, and this is really about me. This isn't a Bible thing. This is just about me. 
No, not that kind of I have a dream. <coughs> it's another kind of I have a dream. <coughs> I have this kind of dream where at the end of our Sunday gathering, people will just invite other random people home for lunch. Not because they've cooked a big lunch, not because it's in the diary and it's been organised three weeks in advance, not because you've cleaned the house, and it's, not that kind of thing. Just where someone would say, hey, just, would you, it's, a, it's a cheese toasty. Or we'll get Vietnamese takeaway on the way. <coughs> and I don't know what the house looks like. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> <coughs> and I don't know what the house looks like and I don't know who else is there, but just come home and hang out and have lunch with me. I've this dream that church would be like that. I've this dream that our church would be weird. I mean it, that our church would be weird, that people would know this church, would know this place, would know people who come here because we're weird in the way that we love one another. You're from Tide. They're those people that. I met someone from there once. They were weird because that good kind of, our dream is that this church would be that kind of church, that we would live out the words of Jesus, that we would follow the example of the early church and we would be a place where people would know us because of the way that we love one another. That's why we do this weird thing. We continue to do this weird thing generations after Jesus spoke those words to love one another. Mm.